where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Father, that's what we want for this time. We want to do this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Lord, I don't want to talk from these verses for my reputation. I want to speak and I hope that these people want to hear for the reputation of Jesus. So would you help us to listen that way this morning? Would you help us come to these words that are beautiful but are also challenging with a receptive heart, with minds that are ready to receive your truth. Open our eyes, open our ears. By the power of your Spirit, change us through your Word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Why are you here? I don't mean that in the cosmic sense, why are you here in the universe? I mean that in the local sense. Why are you here in this room on this morning? I think it is good for us every once in a while to stop and ask that sort of question. What are we doing here? Why does Center Point exist? Maybe, maybe you're here out of habit. Maybe you're here looking 
for something else. What are we doing? Are we just perpetuating a dying institution? Are we just putting dead traditions on life support? Or is there something more? Why are we here? This morning I want to bring that question to Colossians chapter 3. Remember that this chapter is about being hidden with Christ. It is about being united to Jesus. And Paul says, if you are united to Jesus, you will put some things off. The idolatrous desires we talked about last week. But that's not all. He says, if you are connected to Jesus, you will also put some things on. And as soon as he starts to talk about that positive action of putting on, he starts to talk about the church. He begins to discuss relationships within the Christian community, both in the ancient city of Colossae and the modern city of Tallahassee. He speaks to what those relationships should be. And so I want to bring our questions about the church. I want to bring our concerns and maybe even our cynicism about the church to this passage. And we'll consider its message in two parts. First, a definition of the church. And then the practices of the church. So who we are and how we are. First of all, a definition. Paul calls us, in verse 12, chosen, holy, and beloved. And these titles all belonged to the Old Testament people of God, the nation of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. You see them all throughout the New Testament in places like Deuteronomy chapter 7, where Moses says to the people of God, God has chosen you. He has set you apart, made you holy, not because you're awesome. In fact, you were the weakest and the smallest of all the nations, but God has chosen you because He loves you, because He treasures you. And always remember, with these titles given to the people of God, they are given for a purpose. God chose the family of Abraham to be what the family of Adam had failed to be. The nation of Israel was to be what the family of Adam had failed to be. Remember, Adam and Eve created in the image of God. Given the mission, the calling, of representing God's rule, His will in all of creation. And they failed at that calling, didn't they? They rejected God for their own desires. They rejected His ways for their own ways. But God doesn't give up. He renews the calling when He calls Abraham. And He says, I will bless you and I will bless your family. What He's saying to him is, you now are the renewed images of God. You, Abraham, and your family, you are going to be a new humanity. A community of people who will represent my good, gracious, life-giving will in all of creation. 
Now that should sound familiar to attentive readers of the book of Colossians. Because as we saw last week in chapter 3, verse 9, Paul says that if we are in Jesus, we put on the new self. And how does he describe the new self? It's being renewed in the image of its creator. Do you see what Paul is doing with holy, chosen, beloved, with images of God? He is taking the call that God gave to Abraham and he is extending it to include us. He is taking the calling to be the renewed images of God, to be the community of a new humanity, and he's defining us with that. That's how he defines us. That's the identity he gives to the church. He says, church, you are the new humanity. The community of those who are being renewed in the image of God. Now why can he do that? I mean, that designation was given to the descendants of Abraham and most of us in this room do not share that DNA. Why can he give us those labels? Well, verse 11 here, where, in the new self, the renewed image of God, the new humanity, here, what? There is not Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, and so on, as he lists all of the dominant labels of that time. Labels that would divide people between who's in and who's out, who's privileged and who's excluded. And Paul says all of those labels, even the labels of Jewish identity, the most important mark of circumcision, even that label, obsolete. No longer matter. Why? Because there is a new mark, and it is the only mark that matters, and it is the mark of Christ, who is all and who is in all. Jesus, who reconciles all things, whatever their DNA, all things to God. It is because of Jesus and His work and because we are in Him that Paul can look at us, look at Centerpoint Church and say, you are chosen, you are holy, you are beloved, you are the community of God's new humanity. That's who you are. That is your definition. And that identity is why we're here. It's why Centerpoint exists. It's why we gather for worship on Sunday mornings. It's why we do nursery. It's why we do community groups. It's why we renovate a modular building. Because God has called us holy, chosen, beloved. Now, there are a lot of implications that we could draw from that. But I want to focus on one. Notice that this is a y'all definition. Okay, the American South has gotten a lot of things wrong, but this is, it has gotten right. The need for a clear second person plural pronoun. 
Right? You and you is confusing, right? You and y'all, that makes sense. It distinguishes between singular and plural. And it helps to clarify the message that Paul gives us here in this passage. Because he is not saying, you are the renewed image of God. He is saying, y'all are the renewed image of God. He does not say, you are the new humanity. He is saying, y'all are the new humanity. Chosen, holy, and beloved by God. In other words, the Christian identity cannot be lived alone. An individual Christian, distant from the life of the church, is an anomaly, according to the New Testament. It is illogical, according to the gospel logic of Paul and Jesus and the rest of Scripture. It is nonsense to say, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. It makes no sense, according to what Paul says, and what Scripture as a whole says. Because to be in Christ is to be in His body. It is to be made a part of His people, the community of those being renewed in the image of God. So, connect yourself to the life of the church. That is your calling if you are in Jesus. Now, let me be careful with this. Because this is not to say that the church is perfect. Far from it. The church is a mess in many ways. And many of us in this room bear the wounds of that mess. So I want to be careful with this, but I do want you to know that when Jesus looks at the mess of the church, He still says, those people belong to Me. He still in His grace says, those are My people. And we need to join Him in saying that. Those are my people with all of their flaws, with all of their brokenness. Because I am in Jesus, I am with them. Practical application, if you're not connected to to a, a local expression of Christ church, do that. It's not a pitch for center point, though we'd love to have you. There are a number of Faithful communities that belong to Jesus in this town, find oneself one and give yourself to it. Why? Because in Jesus, you have been made a part of the community of a new humanity. Now, that might be a nice idea. But what does it look like? What is that? Description that definition look like in a community like Center Point Church? How do we live out the identity that Paul and, and God through Paul gives to us as a community? Well, notice in verses 12 and 13, Paul tells us that we should have 
five virtues and two actions. Five virtues. He says, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. That's how you live this out. That's a rich list, and we don't have time to go through every single one of those words. But it is important to realize that each of the words in that list, elsewhere in the Bible, are used to describe God. Or Jesus as God incarnate. These are character traits that belong to God himself. And Paul is saying, Reflect God's character to each other. That's how you live out this identity. Reflect God's character to each other. Look like Jesus in the way that you treat each other in the church. And that should produce two actions. Bear with one another. Forgive each other. Allow for differences, even when they're annoying and resolve conflict with full forgiveness of those who have wronged you. And then in verse 14, he takes this package of virtues and actions, and he wraps it together with one word. Above all these, put on love. How do we live out our identity as the community of those who are being renewed in the image of God, we love in a way that looks like how God has loved us through Jesus. And how is that? Does God sit up in heaven and say, oh, those people are cute, I kind of like them. No. He humbles himself. And he takes on flesh. He takes on skin and bone. And he becomes a servant. And he endures the pain of the cross. And what is that pain? It is the pain of welcoming enemies as friends. And not just as friends, but as family. That's how God has loved us. And we are here, we exist to love like that. The church is a dance troupe. And this is our choreography. This is how we are to move in relationship to each other. We are to move in ways that look like Jesus. Who lived a life of compassion, kindness, and humility, and meekness, and patience. To the extent that he died to give us forgiveness. That's how we are to love. That's how we are to move as a community. How are we doing, Centerpoint? Do we move like this? Do we reflect the love of Christ in the way that we treat each other. This is our work. This is our day-to-day, week-to-week work as a community. This is not just my work. 
This is not just the elders' work. It is your work. To love each other in a way that looks like Jesus. Now, that's heavy. That is an extraordinarily difficult task, is it not? And so it is good that we are not left without a resource. Paul gives us a resource for this task, this task of loving in a way that looks like Jesus. And as always, that resource, he takes us to the resource, the infinite resource of the gospel, the message about Jesus. He says, do everything in the name of Christ. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell. The peace of Christ is not a feeling. It is an accomplishment. It is what Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection. It is the reconciliation that he has won for us. The word of Christ is the message about that accomplishment. It's a message about the peace of Christ. And so the peace of Christ rules where the word of Christ dwells. So Paul is saying, take the message about Jesus and put it front and center. Hear it often, church, and let it deeply change you. Let it permeate your heart so that your perspective and your desires are controlled by that message, the message of what Jesus has done for you. Why is that so important? Because when we hear and are changed by the gospel, we learn gratitude. You catch, he talks about thankfulness three times in three verses. When we hear the gospel, we learn gratitude. And when we learn gratitude, we learn love. It is the practice of gratitude that teaches us the practice of a love like Jesus. So, you cannot be full of gratitude for the forgiveness that Jesus has given to you and be empty of forgiveness towards the people who belong to Jesus. We will grow in love only, only as we grow in an appreciation of how we have been loved. When we grow in our knowledge and our understanding of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That is the resource. That is the source. That's the spring of our ability to love one another. If we are a dance troupe and this is our choreography, then the gospel must be our music. And it is in the music of the gospel that we learn the steps of love. And that's why we are here. We are here to listen. And in listening to learn gratitude. And in learning gratitude to learn self-sacrificial love. A love that looks like Jesus. And so we are here. We gather to talk. To talk about the message. Right? That's why... 
as a part of worship every Sunday, we have a sermon. My goal in this time is to open the treasure chest of the gospel so that we together can gasp in wonder at the riches that are ours in Jesus Christ. And that wonder will teach us gratitude, and that gratitude will teach us love. And it's not only the sermon, it's community groups and Bible studies and other conversations that happen one-on-one. We want to create a communal conversation around the message so that we will learn gratitude, so that we will learn love. We are here not only to talk, but we are also here to sing. I love this aspect of Center Point Church. I love singing with you. But I want you to understand that the reason we do that, we sing as a congregation, not because it's some quirky, interesting tradition. We sing as a congregation because we need to hear the message. We need to hear the music of the gospel. Notice also that we sing songs with words, sometimes with a lot of them. And we do that because we need to hear the message of the gospel because in hearing that message, we will learn gratitude. And in learning gratitude, we will learn love. Will you join us in this pursuit of being a community that hears the gospel and is driven by the gospel into a love that looks like Jesus? You heard about the latest hipster craze? Artisanal toast. You can now go and buy not only a $4 cup of coffee, you can also buy a $4 slice a fine, handy, handy crafted toast. Seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Well, it seems a little less ridiculous when you know the origin and the story of this trend. It was started by a woman named Giulietta Corelli. And Ms. Corelli has lived a very, very difficult life, including major struggles with mental illness. Struggles that have threatened her well-being, struggles that have put her in and out of psych wards throughout this nation. And finally, a few years ago, in an attempt to gain her stability and sanity, she decided to open a coffee shop. And she serves three things in her coffee shop. She serves coffee, she serves coconuts, which is another story, and she serves cinnamon toast. And that's where the trend began. And when asked, why toast? She says, because it reminds me of home. And my goal in opening this business was to create a community that would help me stay sane. To create a community that on a day-to-day basis would recognize me and would remind me who I am. Sounds a lot like what the church should be. This is a community created by Jesus to be a family. To be a place where we recognize the identity that we have been given in Him. The identity of those who are being renewed in the image of God. 
and a place where we live out that identity in love as we remind each other who we are in Him. Let's pray.